Uh, we are back this time with another special guest. As always, I will introduce what our show talks about. Perspective matters when it comes to nudging change forward. And we believe that as change agents, our perspective is just one of many. Uh, we are dedicated in this show to exploring how we can nudge change forward by understanding and valuing multiple perspectives. With that, I warmly welcome all of you to Perspectives of Change. Uh, and I would like to welcome our esteemed guest today, Lisette Sutherland. Hey, Lisette. Hello. So excited to be here. And thanks for everybody showing up. I know it's Friday night in, uh, in India right now. So it's only Friday afternoon for me, but I really appreciate that you guys will spend your evenings with me, especially on Friday. Uh-huh. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Cool. So I'm going to give Lisette a very short introduction because I think I don't do justice to most amazing speaker introductions, but I'm going to do my best. I will give it a shot. Uh, so of course, I know Lisette from a while now. So I know her to be a German-born American living in Netherlands. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm a mutt. Okay. Like I'm a big mix of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think... Uh, She's somebody who's totally uh, into working together from anywhere. She's been a nomad for quite some time, and that's led to her doing what she does today and very effectively. Um, I've, I've seen her pictures, you know, when she shows up in train stations and trains, etc., cetera, uh, looking lovely, but at the same time working together with her team pretty much uh, from anywhere around the globe. Um, She's, she's uh, recently written, uh, not, not that recent actually, last year, right? Uh, yeah. The book that came out and that was called Work Together Anywhere. Yoo-hoo. Always have a coffee. Perfect. I don't have my hard copy. I have my iPad Pro copy, but okay. My Kindle version stays. But yes, she's written this amazing book called Work Together Anywhere. If you guys haven't bought it yet, I think you should because it's a handbook that you could use on working remotely successfully for pretty much individuals, teams, organizations, I think it does a great job. Um, and she's, she's written it wonderfully, very easily. Um, but Lisette, I'd like you to add more to your introduction. I know you've been doing this for years. You've been interviewing a lot of people. You've built this amazing brand called Collaboration Superpowers, of which people like myself are also part of now. And we are very honored to be a part of that. But I'd love for you to talk a little more about your journey uh, I think that would excite our listeners too. Uh, Okay. But then to make a long story short, it started by, I was working for this totally crazy guy who uh, didn't want to die. And he thought that if he could get the right scientists working together from anywhere, that we could solve the problem of aging and that he wouldn't have to die. And I remember when I, when I heard this concept, like it was just like, what? Because this was 15 years ago and my mind was kind of blown, but it got me thinking about like how, what problems could we solve if we get the greatest minds together, even regardless of, of location. And so I sort of went down the rabbit hole of interviewing companies because I was really fascinated with, well, how would you do this? Like, what are people doing? And then the interviews, the excuse that I used for the interviews was, oh, I'm writing a book and I'd love to interview you for my book. But it was just an excuse. I actually did not have plans to write the book. So it was just an excuse to get people to talk to me and it worked. And then people started asking about the book. And uh, eventually so many people were asking um, that I had to write it. And uh, so, I, so I ended up writing it. And in the process of writing it, I also then created the workshop to go along with it. 
the Work Together Anywhere workshop to go along with it. So uh, people always say, oh, you're a remote work expert. And I would say, no, I'm, I'm not an expert. Like me on Teams, I'm still learning also with the rest of everybody. But I have like a big collection of tips. So it's not that I'm like a remote work expert, but I am a remote work enthusiast. So with a huge collection of tips that I'm hoping to share with people. And it seems like today, I mean, we couldn't have known when we scheduled this uh, this conversation that how relevant being able to work from home would become um, in just the last month. So it makes me very sad that the virus is the motivator for people having to work from home. I don't think that uh, people should be forced to work from home, like going and working from home cold turkey is not the right way to go. Like we, you know, it should be a transition time, but okay, here we are. Um, the virus has caused this. So oh, the name of the guy who didn't want to die, his name is Reichardt von Wolfschild. And I know it's a weird name and he's a, he's a weird guy, but he, he runs a company called Prolific. So you can look him up. He's all, yeah, so you look him up. But uh, if you contact him, let me warn you in advance, he is, if he is blunt. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met, super high, Q, high IQ. Like he used to say, like, I don't need to say good morning to you. I just saw you yesterday. You know, it's just one of these weird guys, like weird guys. Like, so when you contact him, you might get a brutal answer in reply, but he means well, like he's just extremely weird. So but anyway, so that's a, that's a Reichardt von Wolfschild. Yeah. One of my, one of my mentors in my life. So that's where we are today is that people are now forced to work from home. So this is a really timely, uh, timely topic. And in, in my, my phone's been ringing off the hook for the last week and people trying to get tips. So I'm hoping we can just talk about like, how do we do it? Like, how do we work from home or from anywhere? Exactly. No, and it is sad that it happens in these times, uh, you know, that people think that, okay, maybe working from home is a good idea where we could have made it anyway. Yeah, I've always told, I mean, if you go back to any talk that I've given years ago, the thing that I always say to people is whether or not you allow for flexible working in your company or whether your company allows it or not, we should have the processes in place to be able to do it in case something happens. At the time, I was thinking like maybe your kids are sick from school or like you have to wait for the plumber or there's a package yeah. coming. Like it didn't occur to me that there would be a deadly virus ravishing the world. Like that's an extreme uh, reason to work from home. But I feel that companies uh, will only be stronger for it if we get the right processes in place so that doesn't, we, we can work together in the office, but if we have to, we could work together from anywhere. So, and this virus just sort of proves it in a, in a terrifying way. Very true. So, so I think it's, it just brings me to the point where, you know, of course, a lot of us are also used to working from home. Some of us are like now suddenly thrown into that situation and we are kind of figuring out what we do. What would be, let's say maybe we start with that. What would be like a tip for a starter, you know, for someone who's just starting off uh, working from home, what do you think would be like a general set of good tips and techniques that they could start off with? Well, the one is try to find a place in your house where it's comfortable for you to work. Uh, so it doesn't matter where, but you need to have a place where you can actually focus and get work done. So if you have a lot of roommates or children, um, it can be especially difficult to work from, from anywhere. So, you know, maybe there's a, I don't know, in these days, home is kind of where people are, are left to, but co-working spaces or hotel lobbies, whatever it is, find a comfortable place where you can actually get work done. Um, that's easier said than done because everybody has different styles and we, we all have different needs in terms of workspaces. But then I would also say the use, the use of video. So if you're going to be working with your colleagues and your teammates, 
turning the video on is really important. And I know a lot of people do not like turning the videos on. We can see that in this call, uh, but you can see that it's, this is not unusual. Most people don't like it at all. But now with all the fun backgrounds, there's no reason not to, not to turn the videos on. But um, exactly. in, in all seriousness, the, the number one reason that people don't turn their videos on is because they want to multitask and they don't want others to know. Now, in a session like this where you're listening to something, then maybe multitasking would be good. But I would argue that if you're in an online meeting with people or if you're engaging with people in a, in a setting where everybody needs to contribute, having the videos on is really important because not only uh, does it help us keep attention, uh, but, you know, it also it also helps focus. So it's, it's more engaging for everybody on the call and it, it creates attention in meetings. So it's, it's really important. And it's fun. The team building, the number one tip for team building on remote teams is turn the video on so that people can see each other because we as humans were built to, to respond to sight. Of course, there are people who can't see. So that's a totally different ball game um, than that. But in general, for, for, uh, for those of us who can see, turning the video on is huge in terms of team building. Um, and then the third tip I would give in this response, so find a dedicated workspace, turn the video on, invest in a good headset. It doesn't have to be an extreme, like it, it doesn't have to be the Bose QC35s. It can just be any headset. Any headset is better than no headset, even the phone headset. Um, but then the third one I would say is create a, temp, create a team agreement with your team. Outline and how you're going to work together. Where's the information going to be shared? What tools are you going to use to communicate with each other? What are the expected response times? And how will you know what each other are doing? Outline some of those very basic questions will make your working with your team a lot easier. So those are sort of the, the three very basic things that I would give for like start, the starter kit. Now that's, that's really cool. And uh, I think that brings me to the next important question uh, connected, of course, to the video aspect, right? I, because a lot of people, when they do not switch on video, it gives a very flip side to things. Uh, and we call that trust, unfortunately. And a lot of people are like, oh, I wonder what the person on the other side is really doing. Are they listening to me? Are they engaging? And you brought both those aspects together, Lisette. So when we talk of building these high-performing distributed teams or whether they're global in the same building or wherever, what's, what would you define as characteristics probably, you know, for people to look at? How do we build these high-performing distributed teams? Well, some of it, of course, has to do with luck. You have to find colleagues that are, you know, you have to have really, you have to have great colleagues. So it's, it's a bit lucky in terms of finding colleagues and stuff, but I would say, um, for for high def, high performing teams, one is you want to make communicating easy. So it's not like, hey, do you have time next Tuesday at 2 p.m.? It's more like, funny enough, it's more like Star Trek, and where you've got the communicators, right? And it's like bridge to Lisette, uh, report, and then I report, and there's no coffee shop or or uh, you know barking dogs or chirping birds in the background. It's like crystal clear communication. The other is defining normal behavior like high performing is we're all aligned going in the same direction and meeting the same goal. So that team agreement is really easy to do and really important. And then creating presence at work. And we can do that in a number of ways, like turning the video on is the, is the easiest way to do that. Um, uh, and there's all kinds of great video techniques for creating presence, but also the idea of working out loud, making our work observable to our colleagues so that people know what we're working on. And it doesn't have to be super detailed, but in general, you could be you know, like, today I'm working on the marketing report for Coca-Cola. 
Great. And then Sarika could say, oh, I worked with Coca-Cola last year. Let me give you some tips about this client or here, let me share you what I shared with them. Or, you know, so you want to make sure that people are aware of, of, uh, of what you're working on. So we want to find ways to see each other. And we also want to find ways of being together online. And I think the last component of a high performing team is fun. And we don't always think of that. But for me, having fun on a team and, and uh, having fun at work is super important. And I mean, I know that there's all kinds of jobs where it's not fun all the time. I mean, even in my own company, which I love, I still have to do the invoicing and this, all the stuff that I hate to do, right? Like it's not fun, but when you're having fun with your colleagues, it doesn't really matter what you're working on. If you're having fun together, like you'll get the work done and you'll do it in a way that's like enjoyable. And I don't know that to me, that seems like the ultimate luxury in life is to be able to, work on things and enjoy what you're working on, even if it's just invoicing. Like sometimes I'll do my invoicing with my virtual co-working friend in California and I'll just like wait until she's online and then I'll just do it together. Like, oh, Gretchen, I'm really struggling with it today. Let's do a power hour. You know, that's enough motivation to get it done. So those are the things that I think as teams to be high performing, those are sort of the key ingredients, making communicating easy, uh, defining what your normal behavior is on your team, finding ways to see and be together online and then to try to have as much fun as we can as makes sense. Mm. So interestingly, I got an offline question when I put this topic out and somebody was like, so are you going to be talking? And I'm not sure if the person's online joined or not. Uh, but uh, the question was, uh, so if I'm a leader and I'm managing a virtual team, globally distributed team, how would I as a leader be able to the basic thing, right? How do I trust that people are actually working, working from home? And this is a typical question I think you get from mm -hmm. most, of, most of the organizations you go to, right? And so how do virtual or leaders of virtual teams, how, how can they really trust their teams or team members? Well, I think uh, as a virtual leader, you don't have a lot of choice when, when your team goes remote is you have, you have to start with trust in that way. But the biggest way of doing it is, outline what the expected results are supposed to be. I mean, many of us work in an agile way, so we have sprints. So we all know what needs to happen by the end of the sprint. I mean, if you're, if you're a leader, then you need to define like, okay, what, what do we need to get done this week? And then you check if it's done or not. But how the person gets to done, that's up to the person. You've hired a professional. Trust that you've hired a professional and that they'll get there. And if it takes them two hours versus 20 hours, but they're still done on time, like we shouldn't punish the person where it takes two hours. We should be rewarding people for, for that kind of thing. So this whole idea of like we need to be in our seats nine to five and that eight hours, like we'll reward people for the eight hours. It's an outdated way of working because we couldn't, we didn't have anything else. Now we have other things. So it's results based. So so one, outline what your results are going to be and then put feedback loops in place. Regular retrospectives. How is the team doing? How can we improve? Teams, nobody wants to work on a non-functioning or a low-functioning team. I mean, being on a high-performing team is a ton of fun. We have challenging work. We have fun colleagues. We have people pushing our boundaries. Like that's, most people really enjoy that dynamic. So I would say as a leader, Trust that it's possible. Hundreds of companies have gone remote and they're rocking it. So you can, you can trust that it's possible and then trust your team to do the work. If you've outlined the results and you put feedback loops in place, you're going to be fine. And really, the, the worry for a leader is that your team is overworking. It's not that they're underworking. Burnout is far more prevalent than laziness. 
by far, it's far more of a concern. And that's, uh, as a leader, I would almost uh, say that in your team agreement, you should put the boundaries in there for what's expected, like emails on the weekends, emails in the evenings, you know, outline like, you know, I might say, I might send you an email on the weekend, but I have no expectation that you'll answer it kind of thing. Or you might write the email on the weekend, but don't send it until Monday. So those are, those are all, as a leader, you can really put boundaries in place to help people set their own boundaries because it's really hard. I mean, even I put a boundary in place like, okay, at 9 p.m., no matter what, I get off the phone and off my computer. And I mean, I blow that boundary all the time, but I, I keep really trying because I know it's important that my brain gets rest. Yeah. So, yeah, I always say like it's very analogous to weight loss. We all know the formula, right? It's like eat less and move more. But anybody that's tried to lose weight knows that it's super brutally hard. <laughs> Like, and it's the same with remote working. All of these tips are super simple, right? Like turn the camera on, but it's somehow still brutally hard to do these things. True. And it's very interesting whenever we bring this topic out, right, of turning the camera on and then we put the whole spider phone thing and we're still using spider phones globally. I'm not sure why, but we are. And the moment we start talking about it, everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that. We all do that. But I'm like, then why don't you just switch on the video? And then they're all just looking to one direction. And we all know what's happening there. <laughs> it's just really hard. And putting boundaries in place, I think, for anybody is especially hard. I mean, my, I actually had a call with my business coach earlier today and uh, was told that I really needed to keep my, you know, she, she had to remind me, like, hey, remember your boundaries right now is extra important because I'm getting so many inquiries this week. You know, it's kind of, she said, you know, though, just you're in front of the fire hose, but you still have to shut down at 9 p.m kind of thing. So it's, it's especially hard. Yeah. So what would be, um, maybe just talking about a couple of tips that we could talk around. Um, I don't know, maybe, uh, for teams to, for such high performing teams to also be able to stick together for a while, uh, because they also, you know, are probably going to break out at some point. Have you and what do you mean by stick together? Uh, but it could mean a couple of, oh, you have something on your mind. Maybe you should talk about that first. Before. <laughs> uh, I mean, I believe that things uh, come together and fall apart naturally in life True. in general. Like life in general is a series of starting over again and over again. And so I think it's healthy for high performing teams to break up and regroup in different formats. In fact, I interviewed a company years ago called Teamed.io. And this company, basically, they would have a project. They would gather a team of programmers to handle that particular project. And when the project was done, they let everybody go. And for the next project, they assembled a brand new team. And so he didn't, this was a guy who has a company, but he didn't have a set team. He collected a team for every project that he did. And I kind of think that's the more modern way of working instead of just having one company with one team um, that we reassemble based on what the needs are for the project. So I think it's healthy. You know, you, and, and the people that you enjoy working with, I would say, stay, stick together. Because uh, what we learned from the, from the book uh, by Jim Collins, From Good to Great, he says, when you have the right people on the bus, it doesn't matter where you're going because the bus will get there. You just got to get the right people on the bus. So, you know, if there's people that you enjoy working with and it's good, stick, just stay. But it's natural for things to fall apart and come back together again. 
Perfect. Uh, so that's that's really what I wanted you to bring out. So I'll tell you where I was coming from. And this again came as a question from one of the virtual leaders that I've been chatting with. And it was like, well, you know, I see that we start off together as a team and, and he's always mapping it back to this co-located team that he's had. And of course, you want the team to stay as stable as possible. And my feedback anyways has been, of course, it would be nice to have semi-stable teams anyway. You want to bring diversity. You want people to change. You want, you know, you want some kind of a disruption happening anyway so that you bring in the right camaraderie in the team rather than just having the same team and they just might stagnate anyway, staying together way too long. So I think that discussion stemmed into this question. I said, okay, let's, let's maybe even put that out to you as the expert on that and we'll have a shout out and see what do you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, my answer is the same. The, this is not an area where I have particular expertise in terms of like forming and regrouping teams necessarily. Oh, there's a great book called Dynamic Reteaming uh, by mm-hmm. Heidi, can't remember her last name now, darn, but it's an amazing book and it's exactly about this. So I would refer people to that book. Maybe we can put it in the show notes. But sure. Dynamic Reteaming, so. yeah, excellent. I just think it's natural. It's a natural process. Perfect. Yeah, because... It just makes sense. You don't want to have the same team together. And if people think they need a breakout, they should. I think it's healthy for all. Let professionals no do what they think they think is best. Like if the team needs, let the team decide what they need. That's my, that's what I've seen. The team knows. The leader should just help make it happen. But True, the team no is the one to make it. Yeah. Even if they're co-located or if they're online, it doesn't really matter. It's the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah, just how we do it is different. True. So another question I think that people have is, and I'm going to ask because, again, it's more aligned towards high-performing, you know, being a high-performing team. How do we continue to maintain trust on the team? Because when Uh, we are not sitting together, all those other aspects of being co-located versus being online. Well, there are tons of fun team-building activities And the most important part about team building activities on remote teams is you have to be deliberate about doing it. And I had somebody in a workshop yesterday that called it assisted synchronicity. So because you'll, unless you're working in a virtual office, you're never going to accidentally bump into people online. So you have to be deliberate about your team building activities. Yeah. And so what that might include is do a virtual coffee once a week, just have like every Wednesday at noon, whoever's around can get together for quick coffee online. So you get together, you get your favorite mugs and uh, oh, I've got the fun, uh, the green screen thing coming through, but you get your favorite mugs and everybody just has a quick coffee online and you talk to each other. And it's just a standing every Wednesday at, at noon and different people come every Wednesday. You could do things like virtual lunches. You could do quiz nights. You could do video games between offices, for example. It doesn't matter what you do, but you have to have somebody who's championing these kind of activities because if you leave it to chance, chances are it's not going to happen. So you really have somebody have to have somebody who's setting it up and making sure it's, go, it's going on. And actually, for most teams, what they don't have, most virtual teams, is a remote office manager which I always think is really strange because in the office, we always have an office manager who's like, they make sure that the files are organized, that the coffee's there, that there's snacks on Friday or, you know, whatever it is. And online, we could have the same position. 
somebody who makes sure that the team agreement's getting reviewed regularly, that the virtual coffee is set up and that the reminders are being sent out. You know, it doesn't have to be a full-time position, but just somebody who's giving it some attention can go a long way. And I've got a huge list of team building activities. I'll pull it up and put it in the chat in a second. I've got a huge list of team building activities virtually that people can try online. And I think it's just time to get creative. There is a lot we can do within these four virtual walls and it's not that hard. It's just, we have to do it. We just have to do it. So yeah, be deliberate about team building. Don't leave it to chance. Awesome. Pulling up the team building tips now for people. Mm -hmm. So cool. Cool. On that note, Lisette, I'm just going to uh, put a question out to, we have quite a number of people who've joined us. So let's, uh, let's get some interaction there. Let's try and find out. Um, so a lot of you have been working on virtual teams. Uh, basically, even today, I think, uh, given the COVID situation, we are all working from home, almost all of us. What's, what are the couple of challenges that you would like to talk to Lisette about? Would any of you like to bring out some challenges that you see I'd love to know like what do you love and what is really challenging for you on about working remotely like why why do some people do it I don't know Sandeep if you want to like why do you do remote not to pick on you but <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the freedom of it um, I need not travel. I waste nearly three hours traveling. Um, that's one reason. The other reason is I can be at the comfort of my home and keep eating whatever I want. And work from yeah. the bed. So yes. awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, have a, my, I have my balcony where I can just sit and uh, work and also one of the good thing is um, I can even have my beer and no one knows about it. So you think there's tea in this mug. But, uh... <laughs> uh, yeah. So challenges, um, I would say the biggest challenges we see is in terms of switching on the camera. Um, hmm. That's the biggest challenge. Uh, we, uh, we still face as a coach. I keep telling people I start switching it on, but if there are eight people, hardly one or two switch it on. Um, that's still a challenge uh, in, in spite of uh, having a team agreement, having all those things in place, it's still a challenge. If that hurdle is um, taken care, I think uh, it would be it would be huge benefit for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, my tips for turning the cameras on, it's so hard because people, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. There's, there's not much that can change it. But man, you can already see the camaraderie that's built just like with the four of us even, just being able to see people and like hang out together. Uh, but I can, you can always start with like super baby steps, which is, okay, for the first five minutes of the call, just while we're saying hello, turn the camera on and then you can turn it off again. So that gives people like, okay, I'll just do it for a minute. And then slowly, it's like six minutes and then seven minutes. And then suddenly they forget to turn the camera off and then we're off and running. And then they never turn the camera off again. That's sort of how it is because you can see how effective it is. Like the facial expressions, the, the visual cards, the fun virtual background that you can have. Like it's, there's just so many benefits to it that I think, yeah. 
And if you don't like seeing yourself, they have the self-hide function. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked with a woman, Pilar. She hated seeing herself on video. She used to put a sticky note over it until Zoom came really? up with the self-hide. I didn't know mm -hmm. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah, Pilar Orti, so. right? Pilar Orti, yeah, who is a virtual team's yeah. expert, and she hates sure. seeing herself on video. For I me, it's just good it. to okay. know, like, just to make sure there's nothing on my face or anything. I, I'm fine with the video. Hmm. I think that's, that's a good tip to have self-hide. <laughs> I can send a mail to Skype as well to implement that so that people start using it. I think Skype might have it. It might have it. I'm not sure. We'll have to, I have to check. Yeah. So it's, it's actually something that yeah, we didn't talk about. I just realized there's one question, but before that, because you just mentioned about the visual cards, I think it's really important to listen from your experience because I love these cards and I use them pretty much in all my workshops. So I think it'll be nice for you to just share some tips around why the visual cards are important. Um, it'll just be good for people to understand. Well, so it stemmed from one particular card in general, and then it kind of grew from there. Okay, two cards in general. And the first card is you're on mute, right? Because somebody always starts talking. And when that happens, everybody's like, you're on mute, you're on mute or something. And so there's this big thing, but instead now you can just quickly hold up the card and people are like, oh, I get it. But the real card that it stemmed from was this one. This one's my favorite. It's the ELMO card and it stands for enough, let's move on. Because in every meeting, there's always one, in person or remote, yeah, there's always one person who goes on and on and on. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's probably you, just to say. But, uh, but anyway, in every meeting, there's, somebody, there's always somebody that goes on and on and on. And this card is the way that you can say, I'm ready to move on to the next topic because it's very difficult to verbally interrupt somebody. Now, I would say before you use this topic, you would establish this etiquette in your meeting before you start to use it. Because if you just flash an Elmo card, that's the equivalent to just saying, like, shut up. And that's yep. rude in most cultures all over the world. Maybe the Dutch culture, it would be accepted. But uh, I think in any other culture all over the world, it would not be. And so, uh, so establish that this will be the etiquette, that when somebody goes off on a tangent, you can hold up the Elmo card, but it's super beneficial. So that's where the cards grew from. But ever since then, it's such a great way to express yourself. Like you've seen me holding up the heart cards, just like, I love the idea. Or, uh, you know, your connection isn't great. So there's all kinds of visual cues that we can give to each other. Uh, that would help. Or for instance, sometimes I, people ask like, how do I do the virtual background? And I'm like, well, there's the symbol next to the stop video sign. And then I can just hold up like, this is what the symbol, like, I know it's called a carrot, but not everybody knows that it's called a carrot. So yeah. I just think the visual aspect. Also, we learn a lot from the design thinking community, right? In terms of when we're collaborating with people across cultures, words are not enough. And pictures are always better because pictures are universal, whereas words are country specific. So the more that we can communicate with each other in pictures, the better that it is, the better we can communicate. Pictures are visuals. You know, like a lot of people will use this for like a, the jazz hands for I love that idea. So, but, but visual communication is so critical. So that's where the cards come from. Brilliant. Yep. I, I thought, people would love to hear that story because a lot of us, I've, I've seen a lot of teams don't use those cards and they're like, we know you're on mute and now you're not even switching on the video. You can't do anything. So how do you communicate? Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, if you're giving, like I've given workshops where people like end up like this 
by the end. And that's how you know as a facilitator that people are done with your workshop, right? Like it's done, they're done, they wanna go home. So just being able to see that is super important. Yeah, it's hard to convince people. I've really had a hard time, but the future is video. There is no question that the future is video. We're seeing it in every industry. You know, kids are already, FaceTime is like a normal thing for kids these days. So not turning on the video is gonna be an old school concept. I believe. Yeah. Let's be relevant, people. Come on. <laughs> do you dare? Right, do you so, dare? So we have a question uh, from Tulasi. Uh, for the leader to build trust, how the team members can give confidence to the leader? Ooh, so that's like the other way around. I'm assuming that's like how can the team members help the leader to feel that they're... Okay, so they I... can be trusted. That they can be trusted. Trust on remote teams, in my opinion, is built on reliability, responsiveness, and consistency. So can I rely on you to get the work done? Uh, are you there when I need to find you? And are you delivering consistently high-quality work? Those are sort of the three building blocks of trust. So the leader needs to trust that the, the team is doing the work, and the team can help the leader trust them or by, I would say, by working out loud, making your work observable, and just being as being a reliable team member. So doing what you say you're going to do. I think that's the number one thing. Doing what you say you're going to do and being available when you say you're going to be available. Because in the office, you can see if somebody's there or not. But online, when you can't reach somebody, we start to make negative assumptions. We're, we're never assumed like, oh, I assume they're just so busy that they're not getting to it right now. It's usually like, oh, I bet they're on the couch watching Netflix. You know, we make negative assumptions. So you want to work out loud and be reliable. And I think that that's the way that we can give, you know, we can give leaders trust that way, just being reliable in both directions. Number one. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, um, and I would add one more thing to the equation of reliability, responsiveness, and consistency. I would add likability to that equation. If your team feels like you've got their back and they have yours, then there's going to be trust. If you are, if it's okay to fail, then, and you're not going to be blamed, but instead you're going to be helped, then I think that that's, that's a big component of trust too. But getting that is, I mean, it's so easy to say like, oh, here's this formula, but like we've all worked with people we didn't like. You know, we're all probably working with people we don't like now, but as a leader, you have to sort of set those things aside and to just create a relationship based on reliability. You can still have a professional relationship with somebody without liking them. Yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question. Does that answer your question, Tulsi? Yeah. You, you can just unmute yourself, let us know, or just type or just in type the chat it. box. Yeah. So while Tulsi tells us something, uh, and we wait on that. Oh, so yes. All right, cool. Great. So anybody else you would like to share what you love about it, uh, about your remote way of working today or working from home? And if any challenges, would anyone else like to share something? We can corner Varsha now if you like. We can see her. Next time, they're not going to switch on video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's not punish... Well, one thing, so I will, I'll just want to say one thing about online meetings, because that's a place, because that's how we as remote teams communicate. 
right, is online meetings. And most of the time, they're like a level of Dante's hell. Like you're just going deeper into the inferno. Everything's terrible. We, the equipment doesn't work. People aren't paying attention. There's no agenda. It's going way too long. There's no breaks. There's all kinds of things about online meetings to hate. And what I'd like to say is that great online meetings are a combination of really good infrastructure and good facilitation. And one of the biggest problems that I see is that we've taken how, how we do meetings in person and we're doing it exactly the same online and it doesn't translate well. And a good example of that is in person, somebody can stand up and give a 20 minute presentation with slides and it's somewhat interesting because they're, you know, we get, everything's, they're there. That's why we see speakers and that's why it's good. If you try to do that online, it's really boring. So the idea is you want to design your meetings differently. If you're about to give a presentation, record your presentation, send it to people beforehand, have them watch that beforehand, and then come to the meeting for discussions and decision-making. But don't spend precious virtual time together doing things that you could do asynchronously. So it does require more preparation times, uh, and a lot of people don't prepare for their meetings. One company, I think it's automatic, what they've done is uh, they've taken the first 10 minutes of every meeting, and everybody sits in silence and reads the meeting preparation notes or whatever it is that they needed to prepare. So they actually get together online and prepare together for 10 minutes. That sounds totally silly to me. Like, why can't people do that on their own time beforehand? But this is what works for them. And if there's one thing that I've learned is that there's no – magic formulas, no one right way. So it's whatever works for your team. But online meetings, I think, need to be given particular attention because they're so bad and they don't have to be, not with the technology that exists now. And I would say, unless you're using Skype for Business or Microsoft Teams, um, you should be okay. But those two tools in particular, they're the worst on the market. And uh, you might as well be using tin cans and a string, really. They're that bad. Ah, so the, you have a question about the cards? Yes. Um, uh, they are, you can order them online, or uh, what I can do is I'm going to send everybody a, uh, you can download the SuperCard sampler and print them for yourself. So these are the, the eight most popular cards, and uh, it takes a little while to load up, but you can print them yourself. And uh, those are, you know, the, the deck of 24 is what you can buy online, but, but there's like way too many cards. And one of the tips I'll give you is I've got, uh, show you. I've got, what I did for myself is I got one of these game holders. So this is one of those things that you use for playing games. And I just have one of these yeah. uh, little gate card holders next to my laptop with the eight most popular cards. And so they're always at hand. So I really love that. But uh, take the super card sampler that I just put in the chat and download them for yourself and feel free to pass it on. It adds a little fun to the meeting, I think. Cool. Well, they are fun cards. But yeah, if you want the whole deck of cards, so if you just go to collaborationsuperpass.com and, you know, put yeah, your order out there for the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really cool. So you might want to still grab the whole pack too. Yeah, they're fun. Soon the green cards will not be in there because this is what happens, of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to redesign the whole thing, but there's some fun ones, you know, like there's a 404 error, you know, like weird things in there that you get, that you can use. So, yeah. but really the bottom line is it's not rocket science to becoming a high performing team, but it takes attention and it takes attention to detail. And that's, I think where most people are going wrong is that we're just, we, we can be sloppy in person because we see and we have so much sensory input, but we can't be sloppy online. So the effort is don't be sloppy online. Mm. 
So any other questions before I ask you a set of final question? After this, I'm going for a walk. I'm going to be offline for a couple hours after this because I really need a break. This week's been insane. I hope the virus does not affect you guys as badly as it has affected uh, other countries. I guess we are coming up on that, but we don't want to. Yeah, nobody wants to. I don't wish it on anybody. Yeah. Except maybe Donald Trump, but uh, that's the one exception. I, I don't want him to die or that. anything. Yeah. <laughs> what, an, what an awful thing to have. That. Anyway, that's a different topic. <laughs> Anyone else would like to share anything? Could do it in okay. the chat too, but okay. Yeah. But maybe if, okay. Can you share some facts about the productivity impact? Uh, Varsha, do you want to be a little more specific there? Productivity impact uh, on the whole team, on the individual productivity, exactly what? <coughs> Just so that we answer the question correctly. Yeah, because there's individual productivity and then there's team productivity. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, both are both are difficult. Okay, I would be happy to know both. Ah. Chose the easy path. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have done. Uh, so individually, it's it takes time to find your rhythm, right? So it, it takes time to find where you're going to work the best. So my advice is always try different places, like try your home, try a co-working space, try a hotel, uh, try sharing an office with a friend. Uh, try working from an like figuring out where you're most productive can take a to, can take a little while. So just be patient with yourself. And then the other is you have to figure out what are your normal routines. Like for me, for example, I get up in the morning and I have my coffee and read the news, and then I just straight from my pajamas go straight to work for a few hours because I'm my brain is like, ooh, yeah, got ideas, gotta go. So I I just go straight to my office. I start working. I'm in my pajamas in the morning. I usually leave my mornings free. And then I go out and I go running or I go to yoga or something in the afternoon for a couple of hours to just take my break. And then I come home, take my shower, and I get dressed in my real clothes after that. Um, and then spend the rest. I do another few hours. Then I have dinner. And then I do another hour at night just to, like, wrap stuff up because usually I've just left stuff. And then I go downstairs after that. And uh, at 9 p.m., that's, like, the time that I have with my husband. And we play games and, like, hang out. And that is my natural rhythm. My husband, on the other hand, is exactly, is totally different. He's up at seven and out the door by 7.30. Like for me to, I'm still like, there's still toothpicks in my eyes at 7.30. Like there's no way that I could do that. So each person really has a natural rhythm that they have themselves. Some people have four schedules too. Like maybe you have to pick the kids up from school in the afternoon. So that means that your hours, you have to work then from like 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. kind of thing. So then you need to figure out, okay, like if that's the time you have to get your work done, then you really have to get the work done. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a matter of finding what works for you and what the best uh, schedule is for you. In terms of productivity for a team, if you're, going, if you're suddenly remote, I would not expect there to be a lot of productivity in the very beginning. Uh, 
so I would not, uh, if, if you're suddenly remote, just know that the first few weeks, it's going to be like the first pancake, you know, like the first pancake that you cook is always a bit burnt and some, something or like, it's like a bit soggy in the middle. It's not quite right. Cause it's the first one. That's like the first couple of weeks when you're first going remote, it's going to be like the burnt pancake. And then after that, they get better and better and better. But I always say like, start slow, define what are your goals for the week? And then follow up on what did people accomplish that? Cause there's nothing worse than a leader setting out goals. And then at the end of the week, nobody follows up. It's like, it totally demotivates me if people don't follow up on what, what we talked about and then do regular retrospectives, putting feedback loops in place to see what works and what doesn't. And yeah, the name of the book, yeah, shameless plug, but work. Oh no. Should I work together anywhere. It's available on Amazon um, right now, but I, I have to say, I can't say why, but, get it soon because it's not going to be available for very much. There's going to be a break in terms of when it's available and when it's not. I can't tell people exactly what's going on, but get it soon because it's going to go offline. Uh, if all, if all goes well, it'll be offline in a month. So, um, but yeah, productivity is tough. It's really individual productivity. And then as a team set out, what is it that you need to accomplish and then follow up, do regular retrospectives. The agile methodology is awesome uh, for this kind of, for this kind of working. Did the guy I talked to find a way to live forever? Not yet. But man, we're making such great progress on longevity. We're making really good progress on longevity. And I don't know if you know, but there's a whole thing called cryonics, where people are freezing themselves uh, at the moment of death to be brought back to life later because they believe that it is coming. So uh, uh, it's a weird field of science. But no, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't found a way yet. But I'm rooting for him because wouldn't it be great if we could all choose? Like that would be great. So that's a, that's the thing that I'll make. It, so this is a good way to end it. People always say the future is remote, and I always say the future is choice. The future of work is choice. The freedom to work where we're most productive and on the schedules that work best for us. This whole nine to five in one particular location is a completely outdated concept and way of working at this point. And I think the future is. Each person can work where they're most productive and we can work together online as if we were in the office together because the technology and the, and the facilitation skills, they exist today. We just have to massage the ones that work for us in place. So that's, that's my advice. Brilliant. Thanks for that amazing piece of advice, Lisette. Uh, thank you all for being a part of the show. And with that, hopefully I can then close the show. I'm not going to ask you my last question. You already answered it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And I would say step away from your laptops. It's Friday night. You've been now staring at the screen for a while. Shut it down at least for a while. Step away from your laptops and go look at some, look at some nature somewhere. That's my or last go grab a beer in the balcony. We just heard yeah. that. Yeah. Beers on the balcony. <laughs> I'll be there with you virtually, Sandeep. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Lisette. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we've been talking about it for a while and finally I'm so delighted we could bring you onto the show. So thanks for your time today. Thank you all for joining me on your Friday evenings. I really appreciate it. And please stay in touch. If you do any experiments, I'd love to hear them. So. Thank you. For sure. it, was, it was great hearing you. I have got a few tips to try it out. <clears throat> and to end with, I know Sarika will not like it. My company's tagline is the future is you. <gasps> I love it. it. <laughs> 
I just I love didn't it. say that. I knew he would come up with it at some point, and I was like trying to zip myself up with that. No, when when you said the future is choice, that's a that's an awesome statement, and I just got reminded of my company's tagline: "The future is you." Yeah, it's true. The future is us, and we want choice. We want freedom. Yeah, that's the thing. Remote is so awesome because we have so much freedom, right? It's like as people, we have we can train for triathlons and avoid the three-hour commute and. So many, and for the company, it's great too. Like, if we can work together anywhere, then the company has a stronger and more connected workforce. So it's win-win for both sides. I think we can we can conclude by saying that the future is remote. Yeah, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to say the future is remote. I think the present is remote already. We are. We are. We. The future is something else, and we just don't know that. So. The present is certainly remote with this virus. So it's, uh, yeah. I wish everybody a lot of health and safety in the coming weeks. It's going to be uh, crazy times. Yep. Thank you all. And thank you again, Lisette, for your amazing, brilliant talk on it's this my show. Pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your nights. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. We can fist bump. Okay, I'll